Gather your geek. It's time to head out for our road trip across America that will scare your pants off. Along the way, with your hosts, you'll be setting up camp in some of the scariest places they can find. Discover each episode a cryptid, a haunting, and a strange encounter. Climb a bowl, a cryptid camper, if you're brave. Take it away, Tom. Live from our cryptid camper, I'm Tom, here with my good friend Shay, and we'd like to thank you for joining us for Season 3, Episode Number 2 of the Scare Your Pants Off, Our American Road Trip Podcast. On today's episode, we've set up camp in Vermont. So how are you doing today, Shay? I'm really good. And I can't help but think about Ben and Jerry's while we're sitting here in our cryptid camper talking about Vermont. Um, <laughs> and, and it makes me want ice cream and, you know, that's fine. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, now, now you've got me wanting Ben and Jerry's because uh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, so what's right, new? What's your, favorite, what's your favorite Ben and Jerry's? Oh, that's tough. So... I really like the Tonight Dough um, one there with uh, Jimmy Fallon on it. That because it's just got like everything in it. I mean, you you can't go wrong with any of them, but you can't go wrong with a Cherry Garcia, yeah, or a, even a Chunky Monkey. Um, I one that I really like that is uh, now I think in their graveyard is uh, the Peanut Butter and Jelly, and it was oh. uh, I loved that. I, I know a lot of people didn't, but I did. Um, so yeah, I would have to say right now probably. Oh, and I like I do like uh, the strawberry cheesecake as well. That's a really good one. But I'd probably say tonight dough. What about you? Okay, so it's my all time go all the time go to. If I don't know what I want, this is what I get: is chunky monkey. It's always chunky monkey. I love chunky monkey. But I love all of them. They are delicious. I would say that my my very close second favorite, whenever I see it, I need to get it because it's so good, is um, the pumpkin cheesecake. And if you don't know, the pumpkin cheesecake Ben and Jerry's is actually the first time uh, related to the first time that I almost broke up with Eric. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah. Do you want to know why? Yeah. So, here, I'm going to lay out the story for you, and I know he's going to hear this, and he's going to deny it. Please believe that I'm I'm the truthful party here. Okay. So, <laughs> we stopped at Walmart, and we're grabbing something, and uh, we both grabbed a Ben & Jerry's. I eat cold things a little slow, because I get brain freeze really, really easy. I don't know if I have a big head, big brain. I have no idea. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I was only about halfway done with the container and I put it down in the cup holder just for a minute. We were in the car and he went on, on this like little getting rid of trash bender. Cause we were parked near the trash cans outside near the uh, carriage corrals. And, and this fucker <laughs> reached in and grabbed my ice cream and threw it up. I was Tom. It wasn't even sitting there for five minutes, not even five minutes. 
it was heavy enough to be half full. And this person that for some reason I'm still with despite this (laughs) threw my ice cream, my Ben and Jerry's pumpkin cheesecake ice cream that you can't get all the time. (laughs) I'm still bitter about it, but it's okay. Oh, that's hilarious! It's 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 funny, and it reminds me of the way my brother cleans too. When he clean, when he gets on a cleaning thing, he just throws stuff away, and it's like he did that one day. He were you know when I was landscaping with them, and uh, I had done a coffee run and picked up a, everybody like iced coffees and everything, and we were back here uh, or and uh, you know uh, before the uh, you know in the garage and taking care of stuff before the day started and everything. He decides he's going to clean the workbench, which didn't need it, and he threw away everybody's brand new coffees, like 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 two sips taken out of some of these, and he just through and that was his way of cleaning i'm like what the fuck dude and he is just like oh i didn't know you didn't know when you picked up you know i think there was one hot and the rest were ice they that the ice was still in them they still had their color they weren't that weird you know where they had been sitting out for hours and hours and then you couldn't tell the hot one was hot when you fucking picked it up it was oh we were so mad. Needless to say, he had to go do the next coffee run because it was it was just like that is not cleaning to me. You know, that is no. throwing stuff away is not cleaning. So I would have yeah. disowned him. I'd have oh. been like, I'm sorry, but we're we're over. This is this is where yeah. we part ways. Yeah, we don't we, well we don't really hang out anyway <laughs> or anything. We're not super close. So uh but that definitely didn't help the situation. <laughs> so yeah, we are off, oh, man. That's funny. Very That's funny. funny. So uh anything else going on? Anything new? Um well so I finished the servant. Okay. And okay. Okay. So in the last episode, towards the end, when like the house is on fire and you see her, she she falls, you know, down the levels of the burning house into wherever she ends up. Um, I <laughs> I feel like it should have ended there, and it didn't because <sighs> M Night Shyamalan can't just do that all that day and he can do that sometimes some of his movies are absolutely perfect from start to finish twists and all but he has this habit of being like oh you know what one more twist and then you're like oh come on Mm -hmm. the way he twisted it kind of i wish i could go back and just turn it off after (laughs) after she fell and they walked away because that would have been perfect for me now refresh my memory what happened after the fall there the the next twist so, then you find out that all of remember the kids in the park yes um yep. like people like that people that followed her were supposed to be people i guess that she had revived and now they're like just like entranced by her and then which is i guess why he julian was so entranced by her but now that she's dead they were hinting that julian might be the next her and I, right. I don't feel like that was necessary. That's right. Now you say it because I think I've, I've sort of blocked that out. And for me, the ending is her falling through the home. Like now that you say that, it's, I remember because it was when she did fall through it. And I'm just like, wow, he didn't 
like out twist himself here. And uh, so now that you say it, yeah, that was wholly unnecessary in my opinion. Um, it's, there was no, there's no need for it. her falling through and that perfect ending, perfect ending. You don't yep. need to know more because it's then you can infer things and, and, and I like that and you have conversations and I might have a theory and you might have a theory and somebody else might have another theory. And, but now yeah, it's Mr. Shyamalan. That's what he does. It just, it's like how, I mean, I would say like most of his movies, I really like for two thirds of them to three quarters of them. And then just the ending, how the endings always unravel. It just, it, and sometimes it completely ruins the whole, the whole first two thirds of it because the way he ends them. It's too yeah. bad. It's, so like, perfect example of that for me is, is the happening. I, I liked that movie. It was super mysterious. It was like, and it, and it was a good movie, but then it was the wind. It was when wind is angry. What? What are you doing? That's not normal. But I mean, I love some of his stuff, though. Obviously, like a split, uh, unbreakable uh, glass. It's. I mean, he he makes he makes mind blowingly good stuff sometimes, but most of the time it's just like, what? Why did you? You should have just stopped it twenty minutes before the end of the movie, and it would have been perfect signs with the aliens that uh can't deal with water but they come to a, a planet that is uh 75 water like oh yeah <laughs> it's like or the village which i loved up until the the twist and it's like <laughs> oh yes now oh thank awesome that hasn't been done a million times and uh yeah it's yeah it's just it's unfortunate but hey keeps being able to make these movies so it must be making money and stuff like that because they keep g giving them free reign to make these movies so i feel like it's like child i feel like it's like childbirth and the people that are letting this happen don't remember because you because the beginning part of the movie the whole like first seven eighths of the movie it's like the fun part after you have kids. It's that they love you and they touch your face and they're cute and and you forget about how they got there, <laughs> what had to happen to you. So I feel like the people who are allowing these movies to keep happening, it's like it is. It's like childbirth or maybe it's like like post traumatic Shyamalan disorder and they just and they're just blocking it out for some reason. I don't know. It's <laughs> I love that simile right there. I love that. That's that perfect. It really is. It really, really is. Oh man. And I think I feel like too people still think talk about, you know, six cents and the potential this guy had. Well it's been a long time since they and don't get me wrong, Unbreakable was fantastic. I I I think it's a very, very underrated Split was good too. Glass, all right. Um, you know, so I mean, they're not all, I guess, clunkers, but most of them. If you look at his list, if you look at his list, the list of the ones, if you were to extract the ones that he didn't over twist himself, it's way smaller than it should be for the percentage of movies that man puts out. 
Yes. Yes. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So now that you brought, uh, reminded me about that ending of Servant and thing. But, I, I mean, I, I liked, I, uh, as far as Servant goes, I think I liked 99% of it. Basically, up until that moment, it was... It was one of the, I think, one of his stronger outings um, in recent time. It was, uh, yeah, it's, but that's Shyamalan. (laughs) Well, I think you have a cryptid this week. Time for the cryptid. I do. It's my first cryptid of the season, which I'm super excited about. Yes, I'm super excited because I'm always super excited. (laughs) So, Vermont has so many cryptids. Just, it's, you can't throw a rock in Vermont and not hit a different story of a cryptid, and it's so friggin' cool. Um, They have human-faced bats, a human-faced calf, uh, the awful catamounts, uh, the five hundred pound bloodsucker, um, and and so on. Um, oh, and oh, and thunderbirds, and they have some that other places have to like pigmen and bigfoot and stuff like that. But I have decided to do the side hill gouger. Have you heard of that? No, not in any way. <laughs> so this one paints multiple pictures and and that is usually why i end up picking the cryptids i do because of the visual i get from thinking about it i try not to look up pictures or depictions of them until after i've done my research so i can see if other people are seeing kind of what i see and a lot of times they do now the side hill gouger has it's a four-legged animal but on one side of its body, the two legs are uh, longer than the other side. And that is because it makes it easier for them to um, walk on mountains. And that's where they mainly do, right? I know, can you picture it? I'm dying here. Um, now, they mainly dwell on mountains. And on top of that, they mainly only walk in one direction circularly. Now, this leads to something that's really funny, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, I will also tell you that the side hill gouger can resemble any mammal, bear, um, goat, so on, but it always has its little wonky legs, its little tiny short ones on one side and its long ones on the other. So whatever you see a drunk looking bear, it's probably a side hill gouger. Um. They are believed to be mammal, but they lay eggs. I don't know how that works, but, you know. Um, I guess like a platypus. Does a platypus lay eggs in its mammal? He might be right, I think. I'll I'll look that up. Yeah. Um, Well, so anyways, and it has up to eight pups per litter. Now, like I said, they walk only in a circular direction. So only clockwise or counterclockwise. What's really funny about this is if a counterclockwise uh, gouger runs into a counterclockwise gouger or clockwise to counterclockwise, sorry. Um, do you know what they have to do if they run into each other? Oh, God, no. It's exciting. They 
have to fight to the death. <laughs> what? So I'm, I, I can't figure out how I'm picturing this because I don't see anything that says it has horns or anything like that. So like, are they getting up on their two back legs, making them stand really funny and wonky and like, like clawing at each other like that? Or I don't know how they're doing it, but it, <laughs> there's so many possibilities and it's really fun to picture. That is uh, funny. Um, by the way, yes, a platypus is a mammal that lays eggs. Ah, okay. I thought so. Now, every once in a while, a clung pair will be found. So the way this is laid out for me to see is that its longer legs will be on the outside of the now two-bodied creature, and the shorter legs will be on the inside. So I'm just picturing these little dangling legs, like, kicking, because they're stuck together. and I'm assuming it is the byproduct of when a counter and a clockwise one meet because for their legs to be on the opposite sides, they have to have been facing the other way. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they decide which way to go after that. I guess I can go anywhere because their legs aren't wonky. <laughs> but, um, and the clung pair are called Wampahoofus. And I might be saying that wrong, but I can't find a pronunciation for that. But I'm going to go Wampahoofus. Um, W-A-M-P-A-H-O-O-F-U-S. Wampahoofus. That's what it sounds like um, today. Um, it's also believed that farmers have crossbred cows with them for easier mountain grazing. And uh, yeah, that's the Sidehill Gouger. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> that is hilarious. For some reason, I don't know why when I'm like the mental pictures I get, but I keep coming back. You said it could be any mammal or anything like that. Um, for some reason I come back to the body is either a Pegasus without the wings or, and I don't know why, or um, like one of like the unicorny sort of my little pony figures but with the weird just with weird like and i don't know why i keep coming back to that because it but for some reason that's what gets stuck on my head but then the the fucking the legs too long too short i mean amazing i mean that i <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm like at a loss for words because it is the funniest description. And I just don't, who, if, if this weren't real, like if this is just like completely made up, why the person would make it up like that? Like that they have to walk in circles and can only be one way or the other. Then they have to fight to the death because one's a counterclockwise versus a clockwise walker. Like what? Nope. Yeah, that's it. Well, okay, so I want to give you something else to picture here, because this is where, and I don't know why this is where, but this is where my mind went immediately, and it, and it absolutely has to do with the fact that it can look like any other mammal. I picture, now, imagine yourself being pursued by this side hill gouger. It is chasing you. It is coming after you. And it looks like a moose. This one looks like a moose. But you can tell because of the wonky legs. Now, in my head, all you have to do, if for whatever reason this is chasing you, I know at first thought I could just change direction and run the other way and they won't follow. You don't know that. But if you get on the flat ground and they're still chasing you, and I'm just picturing the moose, 
and it's like just his head's <laughs> bobbing side to side and it's like i i picture it just gets really funny to me is trying to picture it now chasing you on flat ground if you've got it to chase you now i see it as a moose <laughs> oh man that is funny some of these are just so funny and just like oh man just it, it's it's so wild that it's like i feel like who the fuck would make that up you would have to see something like that it like it to ha happen because just the the specificity of some of the detail on it it's it's just just ridiculous but amazing i i, I what a good choice i am that is such a good choice right there thank you <laughs> Oh man, I I love I I I've over the course of the season one and now sorry how much my love for cryptids has grown. I always liked them, but now it's slowly become like sort of my favorite category that we talk about. I mean, I love them all. Don't get me wrong. I love talking about the UFOs. I love talking about the hauntings, but the cryptids. It just it's become so fun because there is so many obscure weird ones out there that it's. Oh, it's amazing. Amazing. All right. Um, anything else on? No. You know what? The one good thing that I did find, or actually I should say one good thing that I didn't find. You know I didn't find a way to kill it or <laughs> have to see if it was bulletproof? Nothing. I have There's nothing that I could find of it being shot at or burnt or, or whatever they any other way a human could try to kill it. Yeah, because you that's usually one of the first things that you read when you're researching these is how to kill how they killed it or how they captured it or whatever. So that's actually a good point. <laughs> At least people aren't aren't trying to oh god, I would be so mad if I saw one of those and then somebody tried to kill it. It'd be like, I, how could you do that? I mean it just watched the thing move. I mean yeah. It can't get you. It can't chase you. It's, it's just looking at it. It's comedic value for life. That's it. <laughs> oh, again, good choice. Time for the hunt. All right. Well, I have the haunt this week, and this was, I know, I say it, a broken record. It's fun. But Vermont being a New England, you know, in New England, one of the you know, in the older part of the country, there's, it, we get a lot of haunts and there is a lot, there was a lot to choose from in Vermont. I mean, they had, you know, your asylums, they had prisons, um, homes, uh, mm -hmm. they had haunted lake, they had a haunted bridge, cemeteries. I mean, anything that could be haunted, could possibly be haunted is probably ha haunted in Vermont. It's, it was so fun to choose, but I went with a college or university because I don't think we've talked about an actual haunt. We've talked about schools and stuff, but an at a actual college. So I don't, I don't think so either. Not that I, I, I do remember doing some schools and maybe even like a boarding, a uh, boarding school, but never, I don't recall doing a college. Yeah, so that was part of the reason I picked it. And there was actually, there was more than one haunted college in Vermont, too. Um, but I went with 
the University of Vermont because there's just so many haunts in this place. It's one of the most haunted places across all of Vermont, probably across all of New England, honestly. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit, bit about some of them. So the University of Vermont or UVM is the largest university in the state. Uh, excuse me, of Vermont, and was actually the fifth university founded in New England hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Over the years, many of the homes in the surrounding area, uh, uh, surrounding area and towns has been bought by and absorbed by the university to be used for various school programs. Many of these former homes are the sites of these hauntings. Not, not all the hauntings, but many of the hauntings are in one of these former homes. And one such former home was that of Captain John Nabs, a grumpy, ornery man in life, it seems, is even more so in death. Not happy with all the commotion of the now student counseling center, so, you know, it's a pretty popular building, um, he, he makes himself known by banging on walls, slamming doors and windows, knocking over buckets, ripping pictures and posters off the wall, amongst various other poltergeist activities. Similarly, the public relations building is said to be haunted by its previous owner, John E. Booth. Uh, I looked up, I don't think there's any relation to John Wilkes Booth, who assassinated Abraham Lincoln, but uh, there, I guess there possibly could be, but I could not find any connection um, in the family. And it said he makes various banging noises throughout the house like slamming doors and windows and opening and closing uh, shutters and blinds. Then we have the Grass Mount House, which is said to be haunted as well. While not a lot is known about the actual ghosts or ghosts, the haunt this, uh, that haunt this hall Students and people have claimed to hear ghostly or disembodied voices as well as hearing doors slam shut and doors locking themselves. And then in the Coolidge Hall, there is said to be a ghostly male present that likes to awaken residents by staring at them or playfully pulling blankets off the sleeping students. Um, now the staring at them, people might power the staring at somebody, uh, wake them up. I think it's more that, you know, they're dreaming, kind of come awake and then have the feeling that they're being stared at or watched by somebody. There is also said to be another spirit that roams these dorms halls, uh, whistling. And witnesses say that this ghost can carry a tune. I don't know why that's there take away from it, but his whistles are, I guess, melodic or melodious in some way, so. Um, then in Millis Hall, which is a dormitory, the, there is said to be a female ghost that walks the halls. That's all they say about it, but. 
And then in Redstone Dormitory, there is said to be a ghost that appears in the back staircase and has actually been seen running the nearby halls, but then disappears as it runs through walls. Um, it seems that he is not too fond of female students for some reason. And possibly this pertains to his death and the manner of his death. Um, I don't know. That was just what the publication said. I don't know what his actual, um, how he actually died. Um, and it is said that he has chased, he has actually chased frightened females completely out of the building and area. Um, hmm. Then in Simpson Hall, there is said to be the spirit of a man who stalked a female student. Apparently, uh, the man, or it, maybe he was a student, followed the female to her dorm and never left. Why did he never leave? Could not find out. But it was it a suicide? Was it a murder? Did he die accidentally? But apparently, he never left. Uh, students claim that they will wake with a startle in the middle of the night and then have the, the feeling or the sensation that they're being watched by something or something, something or someone. And also, the rooms usually become icy cold when this happens. Others have said they'll wake up freezing at night and have the feeling that there is actually someone in the bed with them. A little creepy. Then in Converse Residence Hall, which is yet another dorm that is said to be haunted and has poltergeist activity. Story goes that in 1920, a young med student called Henry, I could not find a last name, and Henry is in, was in every resource. He was called Henry, but it was always in quotations. So I, uh, I'm not sure what his actual real name is. Um, but in 1920, this young med student called Henry committed suicide and is still there. Supposedly, he committed suicide by electrocuting himself, which is a really awful, odd way to go. Um, and some say that he stood in a bucket barefooted while plugging something into the wall, while others say... He dropped an appliance into a tub that he was sitting in. Okay. Is that weird? That's weird, right? The bucket one? Yes. That doesn't make sense, does it? Okay. Not to me, because, like, I plug stuff into the wall with wet hands, and I'm not saying you should go and do that, people. Don't, you know what I mean? No. But I've done it with no issue. So I'm glad you said that, because I thought it was weird, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, like you're not you're not touching a live wire to anything live you're i mean you're you're plugging something in but it's all in case but your hand never is actually supposed to come in contact with the electricity itself so therefore having your feet in water should not matter right that's what i thought and the only thing i can think of net and it's just as we're talking now is that it was 1920 Something might have been different. I don't know. You know what I mean? But that's the only thing I could possibly think of as why, because it doesn't make sense. You're absolutely right. It's it just, it doesn't seem, I mean, obviously you stand in 
or you're sitting in a bathtub with water and you drop an appliance in. Yeah, that that makes sense, you know. But the other one, it, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Very strange. Um, so it is said now that now he interacts with electrical electrical equipment like turning radios on and off, flicking or flickering of the lights and changing the channels on a TV or even turning it on and off. And just to go along with this, supposedly, and I could not find much info on this, and it could be because it's just a, a tall tale. It could be because at universities, they really, really do not like to publicize suicides and deaths and stuff like that because you know, it's school. I know most of these universities, unfortunately, now are are for profit, which is so they just want, you know, they're about making money. And if, you know, they're advertising deaths and suicides, it's it's not good for their bottom line. But uh, supposedly a student accidentally electrocuted himself and died in the dorm in 1998. So, again, I don't. Couldn't find too much about that. Uh, and the final building I'll talk about is the Bittersweet House. It is said to be the most haunted building slash house on the on campus. There is, um, in this building, there is said to be quite a bit of poltergeist activity, deathly screams, disembodied voices, plates and candles that flow through the air and then will smash against a wall or on the floor or something like that, and full-bodied apparitions. It is believed that the main apparition is a one Margaret Smith, a woman who was widowed at a very young age and then lived as a recluse in the home until her death in 1961. The home was bought and absorbed by the university a few years later. It said that she very, very, very rarely ever left the home. You, you might see her through a window or something like that, but she, she very, very, very rarely left. Um, and there is said it's said that there are numerous numerous other buildings and stuff on campus that are are haunted just not as much as known about them or it's uh the 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 sightings the haunts are are much more intermittent compared to some of these homes uh or buildings as well so that is what i have for the hauntings at the university of vermont all right, so a couple things, and I, I don't know if I'm just like making parallels that aren't there or whatever, but this is what I do. This is how my brain works. Um, now, it seems like more than one of the entities that you're talking about is not like females for one reason or the other, or it's the same entity in multiple places, correct? Mm -hmm. Now, there's claims that it removes blankets from people who are sleeping. I'm assuming at least some of them were female, if not maybe all of them. And then you add in the uh, the, the scopesthesia or the scopophobia, the, the feeling that you're being stared at. 
not mm-hmm. just looked at, not just like eyes, are, but they're being stared at. Kind of. Well, and then you add in the fact that he may have ended his life via electrocution somehow, maybe a guilt. And but I, so I'm wondering. I guess where I'm leading here is it sounds like he may have had a how to put it like an unquenchable thirst that he may have tried to quench unwillingly okay that makes sense yeah no that well, does because just you, you added in the you, when you add in the creepy stared feeling staring feeling and you the blankets are coming off and when you're sleeping you're not you're not always the most dressed that you ever are and the the hatred of females of following them into their rooms the it's it feels very predatory. That's a great, great point. And um, that was one thing I noticed as doing the research. A lot of it was aimed, a lot of this negative energy was aimed towards females or, you know, and, um, but I hadn't really made the, you know, had like the connections that you just made, but that, that is really, really, really good point. I mean, it, it makes, 100% 100% sense to me on that. And, uh, yeah. And with, uh, you know, with all, with some of these apparitions, we knowing they're being a, a, a women, and I don't mean this in any way. I, I, I guess I should tread. We know poltergeist activity is linked a lot to negative female energy and stuff like that. Not always, but that's a, that's a big tie-in. Um, so a lot of this makes a lot of sense to me that it would, um, you know, that these things would be happening. And another thing that struck me is like you said, we, we've talked about boarding schools, I think, and in elementary schools, I think I talked about one in Florida, maybe, um, a, a, a high school, maybe even, but a university for all intents and purposes. They're adults, you know, that are seeing this now. And so, you know, with some of these, especially in elementary school, and if it's little kids seeing it and stuff, well, little kids have imaginations and imaginary friends sometimes and stuff like that. So some of it, but these are, these are, you know, people that anywhere from 18 to, you know, 30 probably, depending on when they went to school and everything like that. So gives another sort of air of validity, but I do like that connection that you made that that kind of makes a lot of it make more sense to me now you know what i mean so i'm glad yeah that was that was fun i was like as i was researching i was just like building after building after building with a different story and some are similar but just all these different haunts and it was uh definitely a different one and a lot of fun to research the university of vermont Right. I think I learned something else. I actually think I learned something else too. You want to know what weird thing I think I just learned about myself? What's that? The word absorbed, when I hear it, I can't not think of something gross. And I don't know why. But like Ooh. when I think of absorbed, I think of like like I don't even know. I, I I'm picturing just something way grosser than like two two buildings becoming one building. <laughs> Like it's not for some reason absorbed is is just has a really gross connotation in my mind. But oh, that's really interesting. 
And it's really interesting. Huh. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else we want to talk about University of Vermont? Or do we want to jump into The Strange Encounter? I would love to jump into The Strange Encounter, if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. Time for The Strange Encounter. Okay, so for starters, uh, Vermont has the most UFO sightings per capita than any other state, which is super cool. However, another weird phenomenon, a strange encounter all its own, if you will, uh, for some reason, the details on most of these encounters is strangely lacking. I can see, I can see that because Oregon, or Oregon, I, I, I very rarely call it Oregon, Oregon, uh, which we did last week, was the number two. And I found a good one, but a lot of them were just, oh, yeah, we saw some lights in the sky. You know, not a lot of info behind it, but it, it is the number two per capita for 100,000. I believe they do it as. Um, and uh, so I can definitely see how you would, you know, struggle to find stuff with a lot of meat on the bone. Yep. Well, I did land on one and I picked it just because of when it was, to be honest with you. So everything I read about this, every title this one seems to have is something akin to, or exactly like, First Contact. Have you heard of that? Mm -mm. So this took place in July 2nd of 1907. It was just after dinner time, and a governor, a Catholic bishop, remember that one, it's key, a Catholic bishop, and a lumber shipping a lumber and shipping magnate i don't know what that word is no idea but that's what it says so rockefeller was a mag like oil oh. it's it's somebody that like sort of leads that industry the rockefellers the vanderbilts the um i forget the banking one the the morgans the jp you know the morgan they're like bank magnates and stuff that's just somebody that's like a captain of that industry and it's more of an older term that we don't really use anymore you know but back then it was there was less really really rich powerful people so so like a mogul right like a yes. mogul yeah that's a part that would be a a a, a simile or whatever a, yeah all right well so a governor a catholic bishop and a lumber and shipping magnate went outside after dinner and what they saw in the sky was a gigantic explosion lit the sky up uh and and just it, w it was catastrophic from the things i've read now uh in the sky about 300 feet up was a torpedo shaped craft hovering over buildings uh it was said to be roughly six feet long and eight inches in diameter i'm not sure i can't find anything tying that into the explosion or that it was near the explosion but they seem to be related somehow i just can't find why um now it said that this torpedo shaped craft uh had bursts of fire coming from random random spots all over its shell and it said that it had what looked like a dark um like a dark red almost crimson or a black shell and it had bursts of fire coming out of it. Eventually, it did move away. Can't get an exact time on it, but it was definitely not an hour like you got in Oregon. Um, after it moved away, though, within the weeks that followed, 
more than 800 Americans reported similar sightings. And it's believed that this sighting and the conversations that followed it were really the start of like the acceptable conversations of it. That's really, really cool. Like, first of all, being that, yeah, that's, I mean, it's so early on. I mean, I know there's been, you know, there was some site or I guess sightings or stuff seen before in the sky or something like that. But that's really, it's so early. And then the people that claim to see it, you got a, a, a Catholic priest, which this has got to go against everything that he believes, I would think, just knowing I'm not a religious person, but I do know a little bit about religion and it's God created man and, you know, there's only one man and so all that stuff. So that it just, it's got to be so contradictory to everything that he believed. Then you have a magnate like that, that probably wouldn't want to have his name attack unless he's in a like uh you know one of those very rich eccentrics you know a lot of times because they are magnates and lumber and they gotta make money they don't want their name attached to something that is might be considered very kind of crazy and what was the third it was a governor or uh it was a governor a governor so you know that's three people that you wouldn't think would you know something like that want their name attached to something like that and you know believe in it so that gives it validity to me then the, you said in the 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 coming weeks after that 800 or more people claim to it which gives it a whole other just air of validity because i mean that's over 800 other people that's crazy that's really, really interesting. And, you know, just something in the, there was, at that time, there wasn't a ton of stuff in the sky. So it's like you, you kind of, if someone was in the sky, you probably knew what it was because it was so early on and we hadn't, you know, figured out flight and you know, all that good stuff. So, yeah, that was re that really, really, really interesting one. I love that. That's really cool. Thank you. It's uh, yeah, it, you know, even though it, it's it doesn't always need to be a ton a ton of detail and a ton of info to make them super interesting, you know. So it's uh, I I really really like that. Really like it. Thank you. Very cool. All right. Um, anything else on that or any other topic? Not that I can think of. All right. Well, that was another fun episode. I can't wait for our, uh, you know, uh, the, the coming one, the ones coming up. It's been so fun getting back into this. I've just been having so much fun getting back into the, uh, the paranormal stuff. Well, all right, folks, thanks for joining us, and be sure to tune in next week when we set up camp in Wyoming. So until then, guys, happy camping. Thank you. As always, our hosts would like to thank you for joining. 
If you enjoy the program, please be sure to like, follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Find us on Instagram at ScareYourPantsOffPod, no spaces, or on Twitter, ScareYourPantsOffPodcast. Or send us an email with questions, comments, and fan art to ScareYourPantsOff9 at Gmail. See you next time.